Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Hey, Chris Kemp. Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast. Thanks, John. Good to see you. This is the first time that I've, I've did a house call for an interview. Well, welcome to my home. It's a beautiful home. This Thank is awesome. You. Thank you. This is a passion project, right? For yeah, you? it took us a long time. How long did... So you've lived in this, on, this, on this property for how long? 22 years. 22 years, and you've probably been thinking about this house for 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, um, so when you guys finally decided, say, hey, we're going to start planning. I mean, the house is unbelievably gorgeous with a view. Um, how long from start to almost now? Uh, three years, probably. We started with, um, uh, you know, I had the piece of property and uh, there was a lot of poison ivy and thorny lokes in the low ground. And um, I thought, well, I wonder if I built a pond down there. So took out thorny locusts and poison ivy and made a pond and thought, you know, the house ought to be on the other side of the pond. And uh, the shack I was living in, it's not really a shack. It was, it's a nice place, but uh, I just wanted something new and nicer and something that faced the south. So then we started putting together plans and uh, looked at plans and just, um, you know, modified a plan that, uh, would suit us the most, the best, and uh, then it took forever. It was like pulling teeth. <laughs> yeah, we watched it. We drive by. So yeah, you're the closest Audubon member to my house. Probably 15 minutes. Yeah, I guess. I think it's uh, 10 or 11 miles. I think is all it is. It is. Yeah. So oh. that's pretty close. And so um, as most of the time, as we were just talking before we start, most of the time I don't know much about the background of the person that I'm talking to. And you by far um, are the longest known. I mean, we probably know each other 25 yeah. years probably. Yeah, probably. And I knew your dad before I met you. I always tell this wonderful, great story about how your dad mentored me when I was a a young 20-something-year-old, and we sat down for lunch at, at um, Berkshire Hathaway Annual Meeting. Oh, and really? It was in Omaha. That's, I forgot. And so I remind your dad of that story all the time. Your dad told me, do this. And so I did, did everything he said. Whatever yeah. he told me to do that day, I wrote down notes. He was, he was so kind. And, uh, By Berkshire Hathaway. I'm sure it was one of them. That's right. It was, yes. <laughs> Which was a good move if you bought it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Back then, it was probably a pretty steep price. It was price, twenty thousand dollars when we went to the annual meeting together. It was twenty thousand dollars a share. Wow! I, I haven't looked. It's 20, 200, 200 some plus thousand, right? Probably uh, now. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. We could look it up if you want. I don't. To. I don't. I don't remember what it is now. But um, yeah, they they've added B shares too and changed some th things. So I'm not sure we'd be comparing apples to apples on that. But it's uh, two hundred eighty-nine thousand. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> so nineteen ninety-four, I think, was when we, when we went there. It was like it was like sixteen or seventeen thousand dollars a share. Yeah. And it was crazy, 
But anyway, that's that's a <laughs> whole other day. That's a whole, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. So yeah, and then we met um, at my brother-in-law's gym. Yeah, who's a personal trainer in Bloomington, Illinois. Plug for Todd Louder and Fitness Quest. That's right. And so my my wife probably met you before. We were about the same time. She probably met you even before. She was going in there training. Yeah. And then we would be in there training together. But I, you were in there a lot before that, probably, though. Yeah, but I mean, it was probably about the same time. Yeah. Probably about yeah. the same time. And then... I had a bad influence on you. You did. You did. But before we get to the bad influence part... <laughs> um, so you grew up in Lexington. Grew up in Lexington, Illinois. Um, Graduated in the late 70s from high school and, uh, you know, great place to grow up. 1,600 people, you know, you, neighboring towns were about like that and everybody knew your business so you couldn't get in too much trouble. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then I... Uh, Did you do any sports in high school? No, I rode motorcycles when I was young. That's what I enjoyed the most. Actually, I played, you know, baseball and football uh, before high school. And uh, I think that's all we had is football and baseball. Uh, oh, basketball. I went to, I went to Doug Collins' uh, basketball camp. Oh, Will yeah. Robinson, Doug Collins' basketball camp okay. when I was a kid. And that, that was, was our famous local Illinois State University player yeah. that went on to play. And, well, he coached. I know he coached the Bulls for a while. Yeah. And, and Will Robinson, you know, obviously a... Uh, a great coach and, you know, probably a Hall of Famer. I don't know enough about those sports anymore. Right, yeah. I rode motorcycles, though, when I was young. First motorcycle we got, it was for me and two of my sisters who were uh, a year apart each. Uh, we had a QA50, two-speed Honda. Went like 16 mile an hour top end. That was my first motorcycle. How old were you? <sighs> Must have been it. Eight or nine, maybe ten. Did you have? Did you? You lived in town, though, right? You we lived. We lived at the edge of town. Edge of town. And so we had a little path going out through the cornfield. We, uh, some of the neighbors had machines also, and so, and we, we knew the farmers or the farmer's kid uh, had one. So we would knock down a row of corn, so we'd go through the cornfield. We'd knock down a row of beans, so we'd go through the cornfield and keep us off the roads, you know. And, uh, but my second bike was a mini trail 50, three speed. Um, they have clutches? No, no. These, th th those bikes did not ha have clutches. And uh, the mini trail three speed, and I think it went about 28 mile an hour. And we got two of those for the three of us. Um, <clears throat> and so that's where I started my racing. And uh, my neighbors, you know, there's a lot of kids with machines in the area of various, you know, sizes and, uh, and brands. But uh, one of my neighbors was uh, a little older than me, but they had motorcycles and their dad owned a trucking company business there in Lexington. And they were kind of the bad influence on me for as far as racing goes, because we'd race everything. You know, we'd make a little track, we'd drag race. And... Um, so that was a lot of fun. Wow. I can go further. I, I could go deep into that. So, so where, where was the first organized race that you, that you did? Was that later in life? When you, it was later in life. When I was young, you know, they'd, we could ride all we wanted to. 
they'd take us to trails. You know, one of the one of the parents would throw the bikes in the back of a truck, or you know, a couple of them would, and we'd go to places ride trails. We went up to Sparland. <clears throat> uh, I had an XR seventy five and went up to Sparland. It was kind of wet and mucky, and actually went there a few times. Um, but you know, it was a motocross truck. It wasn't anybody there but us. It wasn't prepped. Um, you know, but there was lots of trails there and hills to climb, and you know, we just had a grand old time. And uh, I was lucky enough not to get hurt too bad, you know, in any of in you know, any of my wrecks. Don't know how I did that, but I got my first actual race. I lived in California, in Southern California. So let's go quickly. What were you, I know what you're doing, but what were you doing in California? I uh, was a photographer's assistant. I actually started by going to, moving to Colorado, enlisting in Colorado Institute of Arts for photography, and uh, they gave you an associate's applied science degree, and um, from there, I uh, the photography business wasn't that great in. Denver, it was okay, but Dallas is where it was happening. So I moved to Dallas because there was lots of jobs for assistance because, you know, it takes a long time to figure this stuff out, especially back, back in the day, it was all film and, and uh, it gets pretty complicated. Were you developing your own stuff too at the time? Yeah, or? yeah, you know, and printmaking, um, you know, Ansel Adams uh, zone system, you know, we had to learn that in, in this, uh, school which helped a lot you get out of school though and you realize i don't know anything <laughs> and uh you know you work for <clears throat> photographers that are that are you know producing catalogs magazines you know whatever the uh corporate brochures architecture you know there's many fields you can go into portraiture wedding and i got into the commercial end of you know the catalog and magazine photography and assisted some you know really great photographers down in Dallas and uh, learned a lot and traveled a lot and made no money. You know, you okay. just, you know, you weren't in it, you're not in it for the money. You're in it for the experience and the connections. And, you know, from Dallas, I moved to New York for a little while and assisted for uh, one of the greatest photographers that um, in modern times, as in, I guess I should classify him. I, I guess he, He's probably a good fine art photographer, but he was a fashion photographer. And uh, New York City wasn't a place for me. <laughs> it was... Uh, 1,600... Wait a minute, you had already mentioned 1,600 people in, in Lexington. Yeah, <laughs> to Dallas, and Dallas is a lot bigger now. Now New York, and I just felt like, you know, the world was closed in there, and I, you know, I needed to get out in the country. So I uh, packed up and moved to LA and worked for some really great guys out there and started doing some of my own photography. And, you know, instead of me being the assistant, I became the boss and, you know, hired assistants and did jobs. And um, one of the reasons why I moved back here is because um, of the Rodney King riots. It opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, um, uh, Shortly, you know, I think I stayed another year, maybe, before I moved back here. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to get get away for a while, see what happens. <clears throat> Came back here and, you know, just poked around a little bit and saw that there was a pretty good market for a commercial photographer. So I started uh, 
started doing my thing and uh, getting some jobs and kind of thought, you know what, this is a great place to live and I do some traveling and, but anyway, my first race, I moved to California. A friend of mine who did uh, music packaging, we'll call it now, but it was in the day, there was still albums and, uh, you know, cassettes and CD sleeves. And he also did um, uh, directed music videos. Hmm. And so I'd work for him some, you know, he'd bring me some jobs from Warner Brothers and he was freelance. He'd work for various record companies. And uh, then I'd go assist him on, um, on uh, video jobs, but he was into motorcycles and uh, we kind of became friends and he said, hey, come out ride with me. So went out and rode with him and, uh, and it was, I was just about to turn 30 and I'm, uh, remember it was probably the second race I did. It was on his bike, one of his bikes, and I wrecked muddier and heck, and you know, it was off of a triple, which I wasn't tripling, I was doubling it. Anyway, anyhow, I somehow I, I wrecked, separated my sh shoulder pretty badly, and uh, uh, finished the day, because that's what motocrossers do. <clears throat> you know, I couldn't take off my jersey because I couldn't raise my arm <laughs> oh, but I finished the day, I raced the whole day, and that happened in practice, so that's my first early real competition. And then he and I had, uh, we, you know, I got a little better and got my own machine, and, and uh, Martin Atkins is his name, and he's uh, from England. And half the time I couldn't understand what he was saying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there was times I'd have to say, no, wait, slow down. <laughs> anyway, he, he's an awesome guy, and uh, I still stay in touch with him. But we had epic battles at the motocross track, you know, just he and I, you know. Uh, I remember one in particular, he was beating me, and it was a, it was a Grand Prix, so it was a two-hour race. Mm -hmm. And um, partially on the motocross track and partially out through the desert. And I remember the wind came up, and he crashed in the last lap, and he wasn't very far in front of me, and I beat him. So I got the first place trophy, and... And every time I talk to him, he, re he reminds me of that. <laughs> <clears throat> and that was all motocross? Now, that was motocross. We did some desert races, rode the desert a lot out there. I love riding the desert. Oh, my gosh, you know. You don't want to overdo it, though, because you don't want to get, have to get hauled out of there. And, uh, but I went to all the motocross tracks in Southern California at the time and um, wasn't very good. But... And then when you get back, so you're back here in Illinois, did, how soon did you start, once you, once you get back here, how soon did you start racing again? Um, well, I, I got back here on a motocross bike and there was a track down here at Wapella. And so I'd go to the local races down there. Oh, and, I didn't know that, what there was. Yeah. Just... And it was fun. And there was, you know, I'd go down to Casey, Illinois, uh, and uh, Byron, um, race down there, there and then, Galesburg had a track, Canton has, has a track <clears throat> that, <I'd coughs> that I would frequent. And then one day, I, I go, okay, so how do I set this up? I decide to take, I'm, I'm living here, I decide I want to go ride the desert. So I find a company out in California that 
you can pay them so that you can fly in and ride the desert with them and they take you on a tour. And uh, I had done one to Baja and he, they had one in Death Valley. So I thought, oh, you know, that sounds good. I'll go ride Death Valley. Awesome. awesome sounds great. Trip. Yeah. So we go, we fly in, uh, you know, fly into Las Vegas and um, to meet up with them. They're going to pick me up. I fly in a day early and hang out in Vegas for a little while. And walking down the street, first get there, and I hear motorcycles. I'm thinking, what is that? And I see a supermoto bike in the back of a pickup truck. And I didn't, re had, didn't even realize they were still doing it here. And so I asked the guy, he's, he's got his window down, stopped at a star, stoplight. I said, hey, why do you have the bike in the back? He said, race is right up here behind, I don't remember what uh, hotel it was. So I walked up there, walked in, watched him race and thought, I got to do this. This looks like fun. So motocross, we're all kind of familiar with motocross. You know, there's jumps. Um, and, you know, it's outside, it's really fast. Not knobby tires. Not big knobby tires, you're jumping. And Supermoto is, well, the flat track is the other type, of, is another type of motorcycle race that's actually a flat oval. And the guys are sliding, you know, like drifting, you might want to say, around the tracks. And then we have Supermoto, which kind of explain what Supermoto is. Uh, well, the easiest way to describe it is it's, Traditionally, 70% asphalt, 30% dirt, and um, nowadays we use road race slicks. So dirt is survival. Dirt depends on where you're going, amateur, but the pro races, you'd have big triples like in Supercross sometimes. So you're j jumps. Yeah, <clears throat> and in fact, it was yeah. an X Games event for many years. Um, where they, when, when it was X Games, those jumps were massive. And, uh, you know, the, the, the events I went to, generally the jumps weren't that big, even, even though I, at, some, at one point, once I started riding it, I did go participate in uh, AMA Pro events, and that was a lot of fun. Um, so Supermoto is road racing, flat track, flat track racing, and motocross. Yep. And so combine. they com combine them all together in one thing, and you happen to do it. Right now, you're, as you said, on slicks, which is just insanely crazy yeah. to me. I mean, I get the road part, you know. <laughs> well, you know, and it depends on the soil, too. If you get, like, <clears throat> blue groove, like in flat track, you got pretty good grip out there, you know, in the dirt section. But, uh, you know, you get a sandy section or a gravelly, which usually ends up happening uh, in a lot of the races. Um, there's, we race on go-kart tracks with a dirt section a lot. And Road America it has a premier go-kart track with the dirt section. Also, uh, Shawano, Illinois. Hmm. Shawano, Illinois. Shawano, Wisconsin has um, one of the finest tracks in the nation um, for supermoto and karting. Um, you know, I've been to Sonoma. Their kart track is pretty good. We, you know, we had pro events there. Um, they do down in Springfield at the go-kart track down there. Yeah. They race CFR... 100, 100 which is a yeah, that's mini road racing. Mini road racing. Which is very yeah. popular now. It's cool. It's and cool. Uh, it's like I tell you what, who else has a great track is Tuella, Utah. That, that go-kart track is really good. They had a dirt section at each end of the go-kart track. So you go through one dirt section at one end, you go to the other end of the track, go through another dirt section, and back over to the other one, which was really cool. And now was, we should go back to 
Supermoto got started because in the 70s, everything was so specialized. There was a um, hill climb uh, champion, AMA, or AMA hill climb champion. American there was Motorcycle AMA, Association, Mo yeah. AMA. Um, there was a uh, flat track champion, a road race champion, you know. So, so these all, all these guys got specialized, and somebody said, I think it was Gavin Tripp is the guy's name who started it, whose idea it was. He said, hey, let's bring all these guys back together and put a little bit of everything in the course to find out who really is the best rider in the nation right now, and you know, best overall rider. Mm -hmm. Because back in the day, to get an American Motorcyclist Association uh, number one plate, you'd have to go to road races, uh, hill climbs, flat tracks, motocross races, maybe desert race and enduro to claim that number one plate. So, you know, guys would have to get different bikes, change parts out. Back in the days, they just changed some parts out and just go do a different <laughs> event. On any Sunday is a movie to watch that explains it all. I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners will have seen it. <laughs> on any Sunday. Yep, on any Sunday. I think I have seen that. Well, if you, ha if, if you haven't and you're into motorsports, you know that it's... Oh, I, I wish I could remember the man's name who, who did it. It might have been Bruce Brown, the guy who did all the skiing, epic skiing films back in the 70s. And, you know, and it's... Uh, I don't know. If you grew up in the 70s, you'll absolutely love it. But. <laughs> so you're so you come back here. Now you start doing pro, pro racing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember the first time, so my, through my brother-in-law, who's a personal trainer, he decides he's going to start riding motorcycles. I can't remember who had motorcycles first. I think maybe I got <sighs> some motorcycles for the kids. Actually, the one that I still have now was the first one that I bought. Um, and I say I gave it to my wife, Heidi, and we still have that one. And that's the one we've had the longest probably. So I, I bought that one. And then I think my son Mitchell was maybe four and my cousin had a little KTM 50 and we got that. That was too big. And so we went and my other friend had a battery operated bike, um, a little razor bike, which was, those are great. So we, we started Mitchell on that. Then he moved to the KTM. Then Caitlin got the KTM, my daughter. As Mitchell moved up, and I don't know how many dirt bikes he's had. He's 16 now. He's probably had, I don't know, six or seven. And today, as I mentioned before, they're going to give him his last bike. This is the last <laughs> bike that Dad's ever buying, ever. This, will, this could last him the rest of his entire life um, if he chooses that. But uh, this is the end of the road for Dad buying motorcycles. But you were this huge influence because we would – I had this farm, and we um, – Long story, we were going to dig a pond. I have the worst farm in McLean. So we're in McLean County. <laughs> McLean County is some of the best farm ground in the world, some of the best soybean ground in the world. You know, corn uh, everywhere. I mean, black dirt that goes six feet down, except for my farm. My farm apparently has the best clay around, and no one wants any clay. But this one guy did because they were able to take my clay, if you can believe this. The reason I bought my farm is because it's rolly and hilly and creeks are surrounding it and stuff and it's not a very good farm that's why i bought it it doesn't look necessarily like illinois and this guy came in he said um well we ran your clay your clay we can compact it to 90 percent with one pass so we want your clay i go you'll buy my clay 
He goes, hey, I'll build you a pond uh-huh. for your clay, another pond. He already built me one pond. And I said, okay. So he started digging the pond. We was digging in. He just went. I have conservation reserve programs, so he couldn't just dig anywhere. Well, I was over actually in the Middle East, deployed in, in the Gulf. And my wife calls me, here's somebody in the back digging a hole. Well, he was digging a hole where he shouldn't have been. <sighs> so he started this process of digging a pond where he couldn't technically dig a pond so we had to shut that down so it left some hills some dirt etc 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 and so I remember the first day so my brother-in-law brought invited you over and you were coaching my son me my daughter and my wife all in motorcycle racing you know how to ride how to sit you know the basics all the basics right and you're such a great a great teacher and at one point jumped on our tractor and we're regrooming some of our jumps and stuff that we did. And at one point you brought your own tractor over to help yeah. us regroom, regroom some of our jumps and make it, make us, in, make us a little bit better. And then, then we went crazy with a, with a track that's just, and it's probably too small now, but we went crazy the jumps because my son's now, instead of jumping one jump, he's jumping onto the second one, which is a bad thing. Right? You don't want to hit the second jump wrong. You got to right. either go over, both of them, or anyway, so we actually had to regroom the track because they were getting good, too good. But thanks to you, yeah. And so let's. So you're doing all this racing, doing racing, having lots of fun, doing the club uh, supermoto races, and. But you've always been a Mustang fan. Uh, yep. Always and a, and I decided as I got old, I'm going. You know, I need to. Uh, I need to get a cage. <laughs> I'm falling down too much, and it hurts when I fall down. Need to ride a little less, but I need that speed once in a while. So I uh, looked into Autobahn. So and is that the first? Did you have any race cars before then? Or the race? Ne- never raced. And it. how did you find out about the Autobahn? I don't even remember. I, well, you know, I, I did know because in 2006, I believe, when Autobahn first opened, because it had to have been when they first opened, because I remember getting out there thinking, I'm lost because I'm going down a freaking dirt road. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't even paid, and, right? Yeah. And I had just bought my first supermoto bike. And uh, Sport Bike Track Time was there on the South Track. And a guy at the motorcycle shop said, hey, you ought to bring a supermoto bike out with us, you know, next weekend or in two weekends, you know. And I looked at the, at the schedule and said, yeah, you know, I could do that. So I signed up, I don't remember how much it was, but um, I rode my supermoto bike on the south track and I'm out there with, you know. Oh, wow, 2006. Yeah, wow. when they, I, it, it was around then anyway. There's Jixers out there and, you know, uh, all kinds of different bikes that are way faster than mine. And, um, uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was one of my first, in fact, it might've been my first real on a track supermoto bike ride. Um, and so I knew about Autobahn, and then, you know, more recently, it must have been in 2013, I'm going to say, I looked a little more into it. Of course, by, by now, I've, you know, saved some money, and I can, uh, I can afford some things. So I bought a Mustang and joined the club and started driving and decided that, you know, I'll, uh, oh, by the way, it was a Boss 302, 2013. I decided, you know what, I had to get one of their race cars. So I ordered one of those and um, I drove both of those cars my first season and 
I think my second season also, and uh, never raced, just did lapping. And at one of those winter meetings up at Autobahn, went in there and they had a radical there. And uh, I looking at that thing and I thought, that's what I want to race. That, that looks cool, closed wheel, you know, a little safer. But you know, I just, you know, I wanted a real race car, so. Do, do you want to go on with this or do you want to <laughs> stop and back up with talk more about the Mustangs? So, um, well, how about this? When was the first Mustang you bought? First Mustang I bought, I was uh, 14 years old. I had worked in, you know, baling hay, uh, shelling corn, detasseling, walking beans, uh, you know, work, did a little work at the grain elevator, you know, various things, you know and saved up a little bit of money and bought a 1966 Mustang Fastback. No and, way. Um, and when you were 14? When I was 14, but the motor was no good. The body was in good shape, but the motor had to be changed. So, I, you know, I was probably close to 15 when I bought it. But I'd been looking because, you know, because my dad said, if, you know, if you want a car, you know, I'll help you out with the gas and, and, and you know, insurance, but you know, you got to get the car and you got to, and you got to work on it yourself. Cause he always told me you either got to be able to work on it yourself or make enough money to pay someone else to do it. One or the other, there's no in between <laughs> and you're better off if you can do a little bit of both. Was it a car from Lexington? No. It, well, I bought it from Bill Anderson, which, you know, some of, some of us around here know Bill Anderson. He's a collector and he has a, boat collection out at Lake Bloomington now that he shows off every 4th of July. He has a little museum there. Anyway, but he had bought it. He just, you know, would go around and buy cars. And uh, I remember going out and I, you know, I wanted a Mustang, you know, say, well, let's go out and see what Bill's got out there. And uh, he showed us a 68 uh, uh, Shelby GT 500 convertible. Oh my God. And I wanted it. He wanted if I remember right, he wanted about $4,000 for oh it. Oh my gosh. What would that thing be worth now? Yeah. I mean, and I don't remember, I think it ran, it was, and it was in good shape. I, you know, it was in plenty good, of shape, good enough shape for me. Wow. But anyway, he had this other 66 Fastback there that he was asking like, I, I want to say $1,100 for. And so I think I gave him the $1,100 and uh, hauled, hauled it back. Uh, to town where I had a friend store it in his shop while we worked on it. And uh, went to the Ford dealership and ordered a short block, put it in, got it going. I remember I was out of money <laughs> by, the, by the time I was 16 I, and, uh, and I didn't have enough money to buy radiator hoses. So I had to wait and the radiator hoses would spring leaks and I'd wrap them in duct tape. <laughs> About every three days, I'd have to pull the duct tape off and rewrap them, you know, and just pinholes. <laughs> and uh, uh, then I had to order them, and it took like a month to get them. And the other thing that didn't work on it, the other thing I drove it for the first year is uh, it had uh, power steering, but I didn't have a power steering pump, so mm -hmm. it was worse than Armstrong steering. But it was a great car. I put like 150,000 miles on that car before I finally sold it. Wow. How, long did you, how old were you when you sold it? <sighs> well, I was out of high school. 
So shortly after I got out of high school, I, uh, uh, my parents actually... Do you wish you still had it? Yeah, yeah. It was a good car. It was, you know, I mean, it, no air conditioning. We never locked the doors around here, you know. In, in Bloomington, normally even, the, you know, never locked the doors. Didn't have anything in there worth value, so people weren't too interested in what was inside of it. But, but anyway, so I've had a lot of Mustangs since. About every time I get a new car, it's a Mustang. I've Nowadays, I own other cars, like I have a Super Duty pickup truck, but I also have Mustangs. And uh, the only time I was ever, well, there's been periods of time when I had a Mustangs, when I've not been driving a Mustang, and I've, I've had Ford Focuses. I've had three Ford Focuses, and before that, I, I had, the only car I had was a... Uh, uh, Suburban, Chevy Suburban. So that's the only Chevy you ever had. You're pretty much a that's Ford guy. That's the only guy, Chevy right? I've ever had. Um, <laughs> I had a, oh, what are they? I had another Ford. I had, you know, a few different Fords, but finally came back to Mustang. I really enjoy driving Mustangs. I just, I, you know, I, this latest one, I came from a Focus RS into that and felt, and I loved the Focus RS, but I felt like I was at home when I, when I, when I bought this latest Mustang, it just, you know, it, it feels right. Yeah, I loved, loved, your, fo loved your Focus RS. That was, yeah. that was an awesomely cool car. Awesomely but I like cool. the rear wheel drive and, you know, just, you know, it's kind of, maybe it's nostalgia, you know, yeah. back, back to the day, especially because they drive a lot better now and they're more comfortable and, you know, heated seats and air-conditioned seats and, but... Yeah, they're, you're, my son is a, again, no probably thanks to you, but I mean, he's, he's a Mustang freak. That's all he wants. That's all he talks about. And he's got one sitting in the garage there that he's working on, but he doesn't own it, but he is working on it slowly. You um, know, I look at Porsches and, uh, you know, BMWs and, you know, the McLarens and the Ferraris, and I kind of want one, but then again, I think, you know what, I really don't. I'm gonna stick with the Mustang. Yeah, you I don't some, know why. Some nice Mustangs. Get some nice Mustangs. So the, the this is where you're out. So I buy. I speaking of Porsche. So I buy a Porsche, and I go to a track day, and oh, this and, is where I really got you in trouble. Yeah. So we were sitting. I knew exactly where we were sitting. We we're sitting on our motocross track, and we were talking about car racing and you had just come back maybe from texas you took the mustangs down to texas the boss no that would have been when we went to coda um when i first got the radical i drove coda i drove the radical for the first time in the rain at coda oh geez <laughs> um wow that's a whole story in itself <laughs> so we'll come back to that one in a second so we so we were sitting there and i said well i just got back from you know my first track day i really enjoyed it and i and I said, my, my brother-in-law, Todd, I said, Todd said, you're racing cars somewhere? And he said, yeah, you ought to come join the Autobahn. And I go, the what? He goes, yeah, it's a racetrack just like an hour and a half from here. And I go, nuh-uh, there's no racetracks an hour and a half from here. I had to go all the way to Putnam Park in Indiana. You go, no, you don't. So that's, I think it was a year later, we went up there. And you invited me up there as a guest. I, I went up there for the first day, um, took my Porsche up there. The next day, Isringhausen had a, 
or next week, I think Isringhausen had a event that my wife and I both drove in, and then you and Mark Basso double teamed me at lunch the following yeah. spring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, I think I think I used some hard sell tactics on you. Yeah, I went. So up, when can we sign you up? Yeah, right. Uh, I went in there and, and uh, <laughs> I was just primarily going to do like the carding membership, and and I, I distinctly, I'm sure I've said this on a podcast where I'm leaving, and I call my my wife up. I said, Heidi, I'm on my way home. She goes, so which membership did we get? Because <laughs> she knew <laughs> probably what was going to happen. I said, oh, we were full members. She said, oh, I figured so. <laughs> I figured so. Chris, And she loves it, too. Oh, she loves it. She won the thir- this last race last Friday. She got third in the, third in the chase race. Yeah, she loves She loves. She's a big driver. You can't beat that, you know. She drives all the time. Drives all the time. You enjoy it. And, you know, it's, it's quite expensive. But you know what? We employ a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we got to keep. We help the, a lot of people. We got to keep the economy moving somehow. Yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to do my best. Keep yeah. that money flowing, yeah. right? The economy only works when money changes yeah. hands. So um, try and leave it a better place than you found it, right? That's right. That's right. So let's go. So you you you, you go up there for the one of those car expos and you get a a radical. And he said, so the first time. Okay. So I I said I want one of those, and then you know it, it must have been. Another year went by, and then, you know, Teamster Dolly is going to sell them. And I thought, okay, so I waited. People got the cars. So, okay, people, you know, people, there's going to be some people out here to drive with. And I said, okay, Francesco, order me one over the winter. And uh, he ordered me one. Oh, it'll be here. Well, and meanwhile, they're putting together a trip to Coda. And I said, well, okay, why not? Um, and uh, my car's not here. My car's not here. We're getting closer and closer. My car ended up being flown into DFW. And then they... They trekked it they from trekked Dallas it down the, to Austin. Down to Austin, just in time for me to be able to drive it down there. And it was... That's crazy. <laughs> it was a wild experience down there. In the rain. In the rain. And I remember like... Halfway through the fir- my first lap, I spawn, and it was with this group that if you spin more than three times, you're done for the day. And I spun on my first lap, <clears throat> and uh, but that's okay. A little bit about that trip, <clears throat> I can't remember who all was on it. I know Ray Oral was on it. Uh, oh, man, I wish I could remember who all was there. I, the, the one guy I know that was there was Jeff Green because he was always there too you know, tell you how to do it. And, you know, in a, in an unbelievably friendly manner, you mm-hmm. know, that a lot of, you know, a lot of people couldn't get away with what he did sometimes. Cause you know, sometimes I was like, okay, Jeff, give me a second and then tell me, you know, cause he <laughs> wanted to help you so bad. Um, that, uh, but the weather was miserable and uh it was a lot of fun and you know jeff was doing coaching and there was a number of guys so we had a lot of people back and forth on how to do things and so on and so forth and um i remember on the way to the track one day though it was um frozen rain and um people in the ditches everywhere And, and Jeff Green's driving, and he ain't going slow. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be in the ditch. <laughs> but we made it, and then we get to the track. The track, there's no ice on the track, so we go drive. And it was cold. And uh, so 
<laughs> that was my first experience with wow. with the radical, and uh, hopefully, I will be going back there this year to compete in the Blue Marbles Radical Cup. So yeah, let's so so. We, we've we've covered a lot of ground, and then now we're back in modern modern times here. So you're um, radical racing, still uh, up there. When was your first official radical full season up there? That had been 2016 or 17. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, probably 17. You know, I might have done a race or two the previous year, but I was trying to get a little faster, you know, trying to figure out what I'm doing and learn. And, uh, you know, so I waited a little while before I actually did a race, I think. And I also had to go through the radical uh, race school. You know, another thing that needed to be done before I was able to race. So I completed that and went out and raced. And, you know, I remember uh, telling, telling Bagley, well, you're going to give me a lot, my full license now after I'd done it, what, whatever it is, it two races. I mm -hmm. said, I didn't wreck and I did two races. Am I ready? <laughs> Tom He's, Bagley, the former coach yeah. up there that was in charge of the race school. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I got my license and, uh, never really do very well up at Autobahn when I race up there. You know, everybody's so good. Right. The competition I, is, is, I mean, is very uh, challenging up there. Yeah. It's very competitive. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that can go fast. And My first radical, well, my only radical ride <sighs> was with you. And I, I remember you said, you got to go with the radical. Got to go with the radical. And they strapped me in that thing. I thought, what am I in for? <laughs> and I, it was a crazy ride. It was a crazy ride. And I know you took my wife for a ride, crazy ride. You know, she, she, I got some great picture of her that of that day getting in your radical for a ride. That is uh, an incredible experience. It's unlike any other car experience that I've probably been in. It's more like sure. a go kart. It's it's I I describe it as it's violent. Yeah, I mean that's... it is violent. It's the only thing I can compare it to is. Almost not even, you know, I flew F-16s. It's not even F-16, you know, 9Gs, you know, it's violent stuff. But it's nothing, because you're going so fast, your turning circles are big. But yeah. high-end aerobatic airplanes, like an extra 300 or something like that, that just, the the onset and the change is so great. I mean, that's, yeah. aerobatic planes are like that. Super decathlons are kind of lumbering, you know, great aerobatic planes, but they're not violent. Yeah. You know, and I guess an F-16 can be violent at times. Painful, that's for sure. Yeah, Painful. Can be. Uh, but, the, but the radical, is just, it's just a violent ride. It's, it's a... When I describe uh, to people, you know, what it's like, say, imagine yourself, you go down the straightaway, you st stab the brake and instantaneously pull two Gs in braking, wait a second, turn in, pull two lateral Gs, and you're back on the gas and do it all over again at the next turn. <laughs> and you know so and the bumps you know you feel the bumps too it's not too bad with the bumps but um, it depends on how big the bumps are also right so uh, I just want to go back again just to talk you got two new cars this year so you got a yeah. new Radical this year it's got this great wrap if you'll see it at the club I mean it's this awesome wrap it's very colorful it's very nice 
But as a KTM fan, KTM, so you raced KTM motorcycles almost the whole time, is that? Yeah, when, when I was racing uh, Supermoto, I rode KTMs, and um, I, that was back in the day where KTM had, KTM had uh, support for uh, riders, you know, at the uh, AMA Pro events. They had a pro team, and they also would support me. If I had a problem or something, they would help me out and fix it, you know? And I met a good friend doing that, Mitch Hansen. Shout out to Mitch, HMC Racing. He's the guy that made it possible for KTM to be able to get these cars into the country. He's been with KTM. Now, many, KTM many years. Is, a, is a motorcycle manufacturer out of Austria. Austria. You know what KTM stands for? No, I do not. Something. I, I, I assume I, the N's mo M's motorcycle, but that, I've never thought yeah, about it until now. But yeah, yeah they're great motorcycles. I've yeah. had, because of you, the yeah. last motorcycle one, I bought a brand new KTM. Um, and it was the only brand new motorcycle I ever bought. Fantastic motorcycles. Yeah. They're, they, they're great. They stand up to time better than the Japanese. You know, the Japanese bikes are great. Don't get me wrong. But uh, there's something about the KTMs, you know, and it's, I feel at home on them, too. Yeah, know, they're nice. And yeah. so they also make a car. They, they now make car and they... Race car. A race car. Now, in Europe, you can drive some of, some of the models on the road. They're, they make multiple models. And, uh, but my friend Mitch... You know, he's been bugging me for a number of years now, ever since he started getting them into the country. Um, he's in Wisconsin. You gotta have one. He lives, uh, he lives up uh, by Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, he's somewhat of a legend up there because of, you know, all the uh, championships he's won in not only Supermoto, you know, as a team owner manager, but also in road racing. Um, he's uh, Ducati, Harley, I'm not sure who, what other manufacturers he's worked for, but, um, but you know, he's, you know, we, I go ride with him still, supermoto bikes. He has motocross track in his backyard. He rides motocross all the time, and uh, but he, you know, he got one of these expos and said it is great, it's safe. I want you to have one. So I, he finally roped me into buying one, and I've driven it a handful of times. <clears throat> It's been very fun, I, and that's about all I can tell you about it at this time. I expect I can do a, a, a respectable lap time at Autobahn in it. Um, uh, it's an enclosed. It's, this one's this enclosed. One's enclosed. It's, very, it's radical size. Yeah, it's, this is the GT4. They have the Expo, which is the open cockpit, and this is the Expo GT4. Okay. And now they have a GT2 coming out soon with a bigger motor. But the GT4 is in closed cockpit. It's um, uh, carbon fiber tub for safety. They claim it to be very, very safe on side impact as far, far as in front, front impact. Uh, it has a two liter turbocharged uh, Audi uh, four cylinder motor. Oh, I didn't know that was an Audi motor. And, you know, uh, sequential. Shifting. Shifting paddles. And in fact, this one, I bought this one used, but it had been totally rebuilt by the manufacturer after it came back to the factory. So it has all the newest, latest gadgetry on it. And one of the gadgetry is <clears throat> you tell it where to upshift. And it just automatically, you know, it's like you put it to the floor going down the straightaway and it goes up through the gears. Really? Yeah, which. I need to find out a little more about that. Is it, is it actually shifting at the RPMs that I want or, or that I may want or, 
not. Interesting. You program it to do what it, wow. I, you know, and I haven't learned enough about it. I've just been concentrating on the radical because uh, of various reasons, but you know, I had to get a few things fixed on it, things set up. I got a speed seat. Um, I put a camera in it in hopes of, uh, of doing a race up at Autobahn this year. I'm hoping to compete in a GT in a GT race or two yet this year. Do you know what division that would? We I, I haven't had a dynoed yet, um, and uh, it weighs I want to say 2,400 pounds, so it's not real light. It's not real heavy. Um, it's cool looking. Yeah. It's, Autobahn's really nice because Teep Stradale up there and other places up there, you can have other people do work on your car. And it's really nice, you know, when I go up there to have the stuff ready because when I was racing Supermoto, I always had to prep everything myself. And uh, it's nice to be able to go up there and not have to work on the car when you go up there. You know what I mean? I always said, do the maintenance in the, in the shop before you go right. to the track because you don't want to be working on it at the track. Right. Um, but uh, so the GT4 is quite fun. And uh, it looks amazing. It, it looks really cool. And I would invite anyone that's interested in uh, at all in it, come take a look at it. It's always over at Team Stradale. And um, if you're seriously interested in buying one, you know, we might be able to work something out where. Uh, you take it for a spin, John. <laughs> he says you. Here, here I go with the sales pitch. No, I don't know if you want one or not. I would I like. I know you my son wants one. It. Yeah, I know my son desperately wants one. And uh, well, maybe. So maybe we can make that happen. Uh, yeah. So uh, moving anyway. on, um, you had some incredible success. So the you had mentioned the blue marble. So this is a traveling, a radical race series. Uh, blue marbles of vodka is that mixer drink I believe um, they're the sponsors of the of the series and the first first race of the year was at Road America Road America what a great place and three race weekend three races that weekend and you won Yay. <laughs> yeah, you had an incredible weekend up there. It was, it was awesome. Um, I really like Road America. I went up and raced last year for the Blue, blue Marbles. And that's the closest, that's the closest uh, race that they have to us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Dream Stradale supports everything up there with yes. mechanics and coaches and, yeah. and everything up there. So it's pretty we had convenient. A, we had a great team this year. Like I said, I went up last year. Really like the track. Really... You know, I spent a lot of time up there because of Supermoto on the kart track, but never on the big track. And uh, so I went up there this year, you know, thinking, okay, you know, I might be able to do a little better this year. Uh, last year I did pretty, did okay, but there was a lot of Audubon members up there. And the Audubon members are good drivers and they're hard to beat anywhere. And so this is the first race of the season this year because of the COVID-19. Uh, we were supposed they were supposed to take place in mid ohio and road atlanta and and uh there's supposed to be a number of rounds but they've been cast postponed or canceled but anyway we get up there we have uh victor franzoni 
as a driver coach and the car setup man and and um, you know of course Francesco uh, leading leading the whole team and our mechanics. Um, I had Tyler and um, Vinny. Uh, they were kind of you know Tyler was was assigned to me and he's good mechanic and uh, one of the newer guys. And uh, Victor told me you know. The car's going to be good. I have it set up perfect for you. Um, he had given his driver's notes to go over and a video of him in, I don't remember what kind of car it was, but it was, you know, an open wheel car thing, you know, things weren't exact, and, but it was good enough. And I went out there in the first practice, I did pretty good. And at the end of the day, you know, we had, I believe, four practices that day, three or four at the end of the day, you know, I came in and Victor tells me, you know, you know, you're on top. You're the fastest 1340. I'm, 1340s, the size of the motor yeah. that there's two different size radicals. Actually, there's there's three. Three. That's right. Three. There's different a master's size. class, which is the, basically it's a V8. It's two Hayabusa motors put together and put in a radical, and then the 1500, which is just like the 1340, only a little. These more are CC base. Yeah, 1340 CCs and 1500 CCs, and then the V8. So anyway, I was, I was like, wow, that's, I can't believe I'm on top. You know, who else is here? And, you know, Mike Anzaldi's there, and Mike's always quick. And uh, John Rant, John Rant's been getting faster and faster, and he was actually really good up at Road America. And he, the thing about Rant is he got faster and faster and faster, whereas I got slower, slower, and slower. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was enough to, to do well, put it that way. But anyway, so we get... To qualifying and I qualified first and uh, you want me to tell you about the first race well what, what else you want to hear yeah so you you won you get out there one I watched a little bit of the video here yeah uh, and it's pretty incredible thing one, one hairy moment yeah yeah so it's great driving are you, you so you plan on doing the whole blue marble series you think well I Let's just put it this way. Let's see what happens in Barber. <laughs> okay. Because right now I'm points leader, so it's like, okay, you better go to the next race. You may never have a chance to lead the points again. And when is that? That's Barber Motorsports. It's Barber uh, Motorsports Park, July out of 31st. Birmingham. Do August Birmingham. 2nd. Yeah. Birmingham, yeah. Birmingham, Alabama. Next weekend. It's next weekend, yep. Uh, we have a uh, practice all day on Friday, the 31st. Looks like there's five, you know, this is tentative schedule. Looks like there's five 30-minute sessions. And then Saturday we'll qualify at 9 a.m., 30-minute session. 11.15, 40-minute race. 3.15, 40-minute race. And then on Sunday at 9.15 a.m., 40-minute race. And the, the races, the sum of the races require a pit stop. The last race. The last race requires a pit stop. Yeah. So, uh, well, we wish you the best of luck down at Barber in the next Blue, blue Marble. Blue Marbles Radical Cup North America. Blue Marble Radical Cup North get, America. Get our plugs in, in properly. Blue Marbles <laughs> Ultra Premium Cocktails. Okay, That's there you go. What it says right here. We're, you know, we're Spec, Radical, Pancook, Motul, Golf. All right. There's the sponsors. Fantastic. Um, thank well, you, John. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us on the podcast. 
and it's always great to see at the track. It's so helpful, kind, and um, you always have enough time for my family or anybody else that asks you a question. And uh, uh, we cherish your friendship. And as do I. As we've had for a long time. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, John. It's, it's always fun talking to you. <laughs> I, w- I wish we could spend more time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Good luck again. Thank you. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.